0: Who says tech can't be human? Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast.
1: Complexity is inevitable. Instead of avoiding challenges or being scared of failure, you have to focus on what you can control. So when the noise and chaos of life creep in, I breathe deep. I stay true to myself and I remember who I love. That's how I control complexity. Want to learn more about controlling complexity from me, Simone Biles? Watch my video, Presented by Exonius. Go to Axonius.com slash Simone. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash S-I-M-O-N-E. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back
2: again. In the studio today, we have with us a very, very, very special guest. Today, our guest is Amy Bream. Amy is a CrossFit Games athlete, kickboxing instructor, and brand ambassador for several brands, including Axonius. We've been looking forward to this podcast for a bit now. Amy, glad we made it happen. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
1: Amy Uh, You have made an impact on my life, believe it or not. We were due to meet uh, about a month ago, but two days before we were scheduled to meet, I ended up completely rupturing my Achilles. And what's even more interesting around that time is when you put out a post for adaptive athletes, folks that are working with one leg about what they should be working on. For their physique. I'm a relatively active person. So this has really derailed my life. Mm. But when I saw that post, you're talking about working on your core. And I said, duh, I was putting so much stress on my other leg, that I was getting all kinds of aches and pains. And then when you said core, it immediately made sense for me, I started to have better balance because I was focused on my core getting around the house, and all that stuff. So first of all, thank you for that. But also, I would love for the folks that don't know who you are just yet to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today.
0: Well, first of all, sheesh, that just made my morning. Thank you for (laughs) saying that. I'm so glad that was helpful. Yeah, so I actually have a little unique background when, you know, starting out with that intro you guys had, I actually didn't have anything to do with athletics until I moved to Nashville a little over uh, seven years ago. Um, So I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania and actually, you know, childhood music was my life. I still very much love music, but that's really all I did. Didn't have anything to do with sports or athletics or anything like that. I was born with a birth defect called PFFD stands for a lot of fancy words, but essentially it means that I was born without the majority of my right leg. And so Uh, Yeah, so I, I had a pretty great childhood, but I was definitely avoided anything to do with sports and athletics. And after moving to Nashville about a year or so in, I think like 2015, I decided to join a kickboxing gym just for fun. It was just kind of a workout for me. One of the first times I ever actually was willing to work out in public, let alone in a group class. And it just started this whole journey for me that I wanted to keep going and kind of led me down a path I was never expecting, but has been really, really wonderful, to be honest. So,
1: so take us a little bit through that journey, because I have been in many sports in my life. I'm a jujitsu practitioner. Mm -hmm. I've done things like powerlifting. I've done things like CrossFit. I've (laughs) done things like mixed martial arts. But from the outsider's perspective, looking in, it can be quite tough to take that first step into the gym, to take that first step into the ring. What was that like for you on the outside looking in? And then what was different once you got on the other side?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I, it's funny because I think people see, at least I did, like if I saw someone on Instagram or even like someone that I knew personally that, that was very athletic or, you know, involved in sports, I was intimidated by it and assumed that I could not do that, that I couldn't, you know, kind of bridge that gap and become athletic. I I literally used to grow up telling people I wanted the least athletic people you will ever meet. And I realized that I felt unathletic because I had never given my ch- th- myself the chance to actually work and get better at something that I was bad at. Really what was holding me back was my own fear of looking stupid and being bad at something. And so I don't really even know what was the motivating factor bef- um, that made me sign up for a kickboxing gym other than that it sounded fun. I was like, Oh, I get to hit stuff and not get in trouble. Let's do that. (laughs) And so I I didn't, I say kickboxing for the first couple of years, I just boxed. I made jokes about kickboxing, you know, and it just, um, it was like a fun workout. It was the first time that I enjoyed it. And so I didn't start with any particular goal in mind other than having fun and getting in shape. And then a couple of years in, um, one of the trainers had approached me and said, you know, I want to teach you how to kick and i laughed at him cuz i had made jokes about it up until then as you know as a boxing member of the gym i was like yeah can you imagine me like kicking in class i've got one leg and he just challenged me and he's like i think that you can do it you just have never tried you, like i just want you to be willing to try and so that's what we did i i worked for months i was really embarrassed cuz you know i'd i'd fall balancing on your prosthesis especially one that goes as high up as mine is pretty difficult. And so I just, you know, I'd fall, I'd have to hold his hands. Like it was just this whole, it was this whole thing. And, but I put in practice a little bit every day. And at first I was too self-conscious to try in class, then worked hard enough and I did it anyway. And I think coming on the other side of that, I did learn how to kickbox and I got, you know, a lot better at it. And I realized that it wasn't as scary as I thought. And that people aren't as mean as I thought. <laughs> like, I don't know if I thought they would think they would make fun of me or something. And I only ever got positive feedback, even if it wasn't, if, even if I wasn't doing great, I just got such encouragement from people for even trying. And I was like, this isn't as bad as it, I thought it would be. Like, why were you scared of this in the first place? And once I did that, I was like, this is something I literally used to call impossible. And it's actually not impossible. And it's actually really fun. And my life has gotten better because of it. So what are the things have I been calling impossible that really, it's just me calling myself out that I was really afraid more than anything. So it just, it, it reset my mind quite a bit. And then I just wanted to keep going. So that's when I started, I hadn't touched a barbell until 2019. That's when I started weightlifting and just trying other things that I used to think that I couldn't do.
2: That's powerful. And the the theme that I'm hearing is perception. Mm -hmm. And One of the things that I struggle with, and I'm sure everyone struggles with this in one way or another, is how we perceive ourselves. And a lot of the times it it stems from the way that the world perceives us. We Mm -hmm. use labels and categories for us like, oh, you may not be athletic enough. You might only have one leg. But Mm -hmm. really, we have at least some influence over our perception. So how has the world, how has the world's perception changed your perception of yourself and how has it evolved over time?
0: Mm. So it's interesting you say that. It's it's funny because when I grew up as a kid, I kind of took the mindset of I don't have confidence because of my leg, or I can't do this because of my leg. Or, you know, if people responded a certain way, maybe I would get frustrated with them or be embarrassed by it. And I'm really grateful I'm the youngest of four kids. And so my older siblings would be really great at like kind of pushing back on that mindset of being like, don't be offended by people staring or asking questions. They're just curious. They're not trying to be mean. And then I really like, I, uh, I have two older sisters and at the time only one of them had just gotten married. And my brother-in-law he's pretty like straightforward person, just kind of called me out on it one day and asked about my lack of confidence because he could see it in me. And, you know, I started to give the self pity kind of feeling of, you know, almost victim mentality and, he just, you know, pressed back and he said, no, he's like, people respond to your perception of yourself. So if you feel like people are tiptoeing around you or, you know, for me, like as, especially as a teen, like putting myself out there with dating or relationships or anything like that was difficult for me. So he said specifically, if you feel like guys don't respond well to you, it's because of, of the way that you are, they sense your lack of confidence. If you are confident, your question, like your." Topic of your leg doesn't even have to be a, a a thing. It just you be you, and the rest will work out. And it was the first conversation that kind of clicked in my mind. Obviously, my family had always told me that growing up, but it was the first conversation for some reason that just clicked. Of like, is this actually me? Is this something that I can have control over and change my life because of my own perception, and not feel like I'm relying on what other people think of me before I start to actually live. And not that I wasn't living, but I definitely, w- I was keeping myself in a box. And so, um, yeah, so I just started to make really small, you know, intentional steps to improve my mindset about myself and my perception about my leg and my body and all of those things. And I didn't really realize that as I was doing those little things, how much it was changing my perception of myself until even a year, or a couple years into it. And then I kind of looked back and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm almost like a different person. I'm still me, but I carry myself differently. And it really is like I saw firsthand that people respond to how I, I carried myself first. And I think that was just such a powerful re- revelation for me that it took away, you no, know, I still have my moments, but it took away a lot of the fear and self-deprecation that I, I used to struggle with.
1: One thing that stands out to me about you is your grit, your determination. A lot of folks were first exposed to you with that viral video uh, from the CrossFit Games. When you look at that, being somebody that really pushed for there to be a category for adaptive athletes, Mm -hmm. being at the Games and then having one of the most vulnerable moments that an athlete can have captured, but then also being triumphant on the other side of that. Could you walk us through that moment from what you were feeling inside, like some of that self talk? Obviously, you were emotional on the camera. But could you walk us through what that felt like during and even after?
0: Yeah. Um, It's funny, I I make jokes with people that I know, because I had a friend tell me the other week, They're like, my favorite part about that video is that you are not an outwardly very emotional person. Like I've never seen you cry. So the fact that the internet knows you because you're crying is just the best thing ever. <laughs> 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 but yeah, going into that event, honestly, that week was probably like the most emotionally challenging week of my life, as far as being feeling pressure and having, you know, being in a, in a more public platform than I'd ever been on. I'd never competed before. I had never done any kind of sport. I didn't have any idea what to expect, so I was pretty like up and down emotionally all week. And so going in, that was my final event. It was eleven minutes, and I knew that the weight that I was supposed to press above my head was a PR for me. I'd never done it before, and my coach, um, who was with me the entire time, kind of the whole week, but especially that day, he was like, "Amy, I don't care how tired you are, you're going to give it absolutely everything. You're gonna." Leave everything on that floor and know that up until that last second, you gave everything you could. And he's like, you are going to get the weight above your head. You have to believe that you can do it. And if you can't, like, if you don't believe in yourself, then you're not going to do it. You have to believe that you can do it. And so, you know, the the minutes before, they kind of take you into this like little like alcove, I guess, you know, before you go into the arena and I'm watching the men's adaptive heat go before us and I'm watching them all crush it. I literally felt sick to my stomach. I had to walk away from the TV because Mm. I was like, I'm, I'm was humiliated. I was like, I'm about to be humiliated. I can't like, everyone's going to crush this event. I've never even done this weight. I'm like, this has been a great experience, but I'm kind of done. But I knew that I was like, I, I have to give this everything. And so, uh, went in, you know, started the event, And when it got to the point where I was about to, you know, try to clean and press that weight, I failed a couple of times. And it was this feeling of, like, this is exactly like I thought this would go. And I'm, like, so exhausted. And I look up, and my coach had positioned himself, like, right across from me, across the arena. And so I could hear him. He's a very loud, booming voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I could, you know, understand what he was saying. And he was saying, like, Amy, you have to believe in yourself. And so, yeah, it was – it was a very surreal experience. Honestly, I was so focused. I the whole week, but especially in that event, I only looked at my weight and at him. Like I, I knew I would lose it if I focused on anything else. So I finally got the weight above my head, and I heard the room get louder. And it was this weird. I was like, "Wait a minute,
1: <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: was that for me, or did someone like did someone finish?" Like I was so kind of focused on my thing, I didn't know that people were watching me. And which sounds silly to say, but yeah, so it was just this feeling. And then I, it's funny, the the part in the video where I actually break down and start like legit crying. I had failed again and I was so tired and I heard the announcer come through and say like, Amy, don't give up. This crowd is behind you. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those like, I, what is even happening right now? You know, like it was happening so fast. I like couldn't even compute. I just knew that I had to keep trying. So yeah, it was just one of those. um, honestly, as dramatic as it sounds, once in a lifetime experiences. I remember the event finished, you know, everyone was so supportive, but I didn't have any clue. Like I didn't know that my face was on a screen. Uh, like they recorded me, me and my coach going back and forth in the last 30 seconds of the event. I didn't even know that. So I like leave and I'm like embarrassed because I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just cried in front of that like crowd, but I didn't know it was recorded. So then I'm like leaving the arena and people that weren't physically present were coming up to me. And I was like, how is this happening and yeah it was it was pretty crazy it was very very humbling experience it,
2: it almost sounds like that was within you it was outside of you there was all these people involved all this you know level of energy and you yeah. know while we've recorded the podcast we've heard somewhat similar stories to that like where someone is struggling climbing a hill and then they have the support of someone behind them maybe it's just a pat on the back maybe it's them helping get carried up the hill but there's always that power of the other, but also the power that comes from within. And you spoke a little bit about tackling the impossible. Mm -hmm. And one of our favorite books is The Art of the Impossible by Stephen Kotler. He talks about there's a little I impossible and a big I impossible. The little I impossible are the things that you've never done before that might not be possible, but you wanna tackle. And the big I are, are the things that have never been done by anyone. And it sounds like you are doing a mixture of both. You're, you know, an adaptive athlete that is, you know, redefining CrossFit, redefining kickboxing and many other things. But the question I was curious about is what does it take for you to tackle the impossible? Mm
0: -hmm. You know, it's I think, again, if going back to the matter of like perception, I think it's it's breaking things down because I didn't start any of this with the thought or intention of like a huge goal in mind. And I think, you know, maybe some people do that and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But for me, if I think big picture like that, I tend to get overwhelmed and and count myself out. So for me, it was, I didn't start boxing with the thought of you're gonna kickbox and then do videos about it. And I didn't start, you know, even CrossFit, like someone, you know, when I started, uh, someone had reached out on Instagram, told me about the Open, and I had no thoughts in my mind of actually competing and going to the games. So I was like, ah, this sounds fun and why not? It gives me a goal. But it was like, let's just learn one skill a day like or like one movement a day. Let's work on it and improve and just get better than yesterday. And so when I did that, I really fell in love with the process of it and not with the goal. Mm. And I think that helped me actually enjoy it because – We can have goals and that's awesome. But I think there's this tendency to then when we reach our goals, there's this like, well, what next? Or like, well, that was cool. But if you didn't like the process to get there, you're probably never going to be satisfied because there's always something else. And so for me, it was really just breaking it down to be like, I want to be content. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years, but I want to be content with today and to get better and to love who I'm am and who I'm becoming and then whatever that turns into let's great that's great
1: and that's why you are absolutely the perfect guest on our show because that's what we're all about we're all about loving the process incremental improvements being just 0.1% better than the person we were yesterday, not getting caught up in these overly ambitious goals, just love the process. Like, of course, we'll set goals, we'll we'll go towards them. But that's not our focus. Our focus is on us, our abilities, our experiences, and ultimately our craftspersonship, just getting better. And that's why on the even on the Exonia side, they saw that really, really, really quickly. I'd love to hear from your perspective, you've teamed up with some big, big brands on the athletic side. But Mm -hmm. now you're teaming up with a cybersecurity slash technology company. Mm -hmm. What what was it that inspired you to even have that relationship with a company like Exonia's? What has it been like? What has it been like dealing with all the personas with Nate with Ron myself? Tell us a little bit about that journey.
0: Yeah. It's funny you say that because, you know, I do get that question um, for sure. Cause obviously, you know, I've done, I've done partnerships with companies like you know Nike or, you know, other, other companies and that kind of just like, Oh, makes sense. Athletics. And then they hear cybersecurity company and they say, what?
2: <laughs> um, and
0: I remember they, they first reached out. Um, I think they had reached out twice. And I, quite frankly, like I read it and I was like, that struck me in their message how genuine it was because sometimes, you know, you get people that reach out and it's like a copy paste or maybe they just like read one thing on your profile and it's just very generic and that never catches like I don't want to do partnerships with those types of opportunities just because it doesn't feel real. And I always want to be super genuine. So I remember reading their message and being like, man, these people are really genuine and how they're coming across. But like cybersecurity makes no sense for me to partner with. Like, why would I do this? Um, And then they were persistent. They sent another message and I was like, well, maybe I'll just like have a conversation with them. And then it it was amazing because then I reached out and realized that even, you know, like their, how they approach their company is still so relatable to how I approach my mindset in athletics Um, and really in anything in life. It doesn't have to be athletics. I'm, you know, even in my background in music, it's, as far as, you know, controlling and and having a perception of the small things um, help you navigate these really big, complex ideas. Like we hear cybersecurity and we're like, that's a lot. But Axonius <laughs> is all about, you know, like breaking it down and helping it become relatable and understandable on a very micro level to help control the macro. And that is something that I think anyone should be able to um you know, relate to. And that's just all what I'm about. And also like for me on a very basic level, like I want to work with genuine humans and genuine people. And, um, as I got to know them and, you know, like, I remember having a conversation with Nate about like why he works at Axonius and what he loves about it. And it was just so like, he like lit up and was like, this is my favorite startup that I've ever worked with. And it's just, Like, I love what I do, but I also love who I work with and for. And like that to me is very important. And I don't think it should be tossed aside or taken lightly. And so any um, experience that I've had with them um, has been just like resonating with with core values that are very important
2: to me. Definitely. Genuine people working on the fundamentals is always going to lead to something great. Like you're saying, it's always about breaking down those big topics into things that are a little bit more micro, the things that you can control. Because even for me, like you were saying, with vision, like creating a, a big vision and a big goal, it's it could be overwhelming, but having just those small steps and and making that progress forward. And it it also makes me want to share a bit more about that relationship and hear more about it. Like, what are the steps and the process that goes into a partnership, like uh, your partnership with Exonius? What what is it? mean to be a brand ambassador and what kind of activities do you do as an ambassador for a brand?
0: Yeah, I think any kind of, before I agree to any kind of partnership or brand, I obviously want to be familiar with like, you know, the product and and the process, but also the people involved with it. Um, So for me with Axonius, a lot of that was getting to know um, the team and also like just getting to know with their, their platform and uh for me, whether it's Exonius or any other brand, it's just knowing that I would be comfortable like having like i j i'm I'm not going to talk about something that I would never personally trust or use myself. and so um you know, obviously, if I'm gonna put my name behind anything that I want it to be real. I've said this sounds a little bit, I don't mean this in an egotistical way, but I've said no to opportunities that sound great, but I'm like, I wouldn't actually do that. Or I wouldn't use that. And the second that I like um, for lack of a less dramatic way of saying it compromise that like Mm -hmm. small, even again, it might seem like a small thing, but those small things matter. They lead up to this big picture of, you know, what you represent and who you are. And so, um, any brand ambassador, like any partnership that I have, whether it's just aligning myself with them, associating myself, posting about products or what it is or how it works. You know, I've had partnerships, including with Exonius that include a little bit of all of that. I just want to make sure that like, I actually am genuine to, to using it and knowing what I'm talking about. So
1: You know, when you look at life, life can be looked at in so many different ways. One of the ways that I personally look at life is almost like an endless door of possibilities. Some doors are harder to open than others. Some doors are even like puzzles where you have to sit, study and immerse yourself in this different world. But once you enter it, it's almost like endless possible being a, a kid back in the sandbox, creating, learning about that world, doing what you can and doing a lot of self discovery. From your perspective, now that you've done so many things in your life, and I'm sure there's going to be many more things for you to do. How do you look at life? How do you look at these different opportunities? Are they challenges or obstacles? Or do you honestly see them as just opportunities to find out more about yourself?
0: I think all of the above. (laughs) I think (laughs) opportunities are also obstacles and also challenges. When when I really started to enjoy again, like the process Um, It's funny because, you know, I graduated college music degree. I had a very specific idea of or at least a general idea of what my life would look like, a general timeline, what I would be doing, who I was. And suddenly you leave college. No one tells you how hard life is once you graduate, by the way. For (laughs) me, like I I also like I graduated and then I moved 10 hours away from home and from, you know, my family. And I had been with them for 22 years And suddenly it didn't matter what I was doing. There would be no one to give me a disapproving glare or a pat on the back either way. And so it was just this like, this is a free for all. Why am I doing what I'm doing and why do I care about it kind of thing? It it sent me to like kind of reeling for a little bit of like, what am I, what am I doing in life? And so I had honestly the first couple of years in Nashville, I had a lot of doors shut on me. And I had this beautiful five-year plan that just completely crumbled. And and I think pe- some people's five-year plan works out exactly as they thought. And that's awesome. More often than not, I think, you know, life throws us just a lot more obstacles than we think are going to happen. And I came out of, especially like 2016, 2017, coming out of definitely one of the hardest years of my life. And I felt pretty low. And I was like, I've been doing the things that on paper Um, I said that I wanted to be doing, but I don't like who I am right now and how I feel. So maybe I should focus less on like necessarily the goal, like I was talking about before, but like who I am right now in this moment. If I don't like the job that I have, am I at least being kind to my coworkers and my boss and respectful and um, working on those like really small micro things and as small as those obstacles sound, they they were probably the hardest, you know, it's easy to think, like, tell people you have these lofty goals that sound really fancy and cool. But then when you're in a bad mood, and you need to be kind to your boss when you don't want to be like, I think that's a harder challenge than than bragging about our goals. And so I don't know, it again, I had to, t- I felt so honestly weak that I had to take it down to that micro level of like, Amy, who are you? Like, let's, let's get on this level first before we think about anything else. And then my mind kind of opened up to, all right, well, like, I like doing this and I've never done it before. And it, then it just, you know, it, I progressed so much through those challenges. And then I looked back and realized that the lowest points of my life really are when I grew the, the most, um, because I had to dig deep and like focus on those micro things. And I saw how much um, better it made me as a person. so far from perfect, don't get me wrong, but it just helped me so much understand um, like the intentionality of what I do in the small moments. And so, you know, sorry, that was kind of a long-winded answer. I talk a lot, but uh, (laughs) yeah, it was just really important. So, you know, I, I think anything that happens, even if it is a challenge, it's still an opportunity to grow.
1: Honestly, I honestly think that is the secret of life. That is the secret of greatness is being comfortable in discomfort, going into those challenges and doing something that might be awkward or might be difficult for someone even before they step into it. Just literally making the decision to go is really one of the most powerful things that we can do. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard. There's someone listening to this podcast right now that have been relatively comfortable but they're not happy. They don't feel satisfied. They don't feel a sense of achievement. What is that piece of advice that you would have for someone that is a little afraid to step into that arena that is a little afraid to step into that ring to step onto the mat, whatever it is, they're afraid because they don't want to feel discomfort. They don't want to feel awkward. They don't want to feel like they are the, the center of attention in a negative way. What piece of advice would you have for that person right now?
0: One, I would say on a very practical level, get yourself someone who's going to hold you accountable, um, who you trust really well. That sounds basic, but there's, you're human. There are going to be days, even when you feel like I just busted that week. That was great. Like, awesome. You might feel very weak the next day. Like that's normal. That's human. That's humanity. And I think sometimes we look on social media and see people who seem strong or, you know, got it together and they don't see their struggling moments. So we think if I'm struggling, I'm doing it wrong. You're not, that's just being human. And so those times are when you should have really important people in your life who can push you um, and you allow yourself to be pushed. There are many moments that I set a goal. I didn't wanna keep going. And one of my best friends from childhood would say like, no, you said you're gonna do this, so you're gonna do it. Um, So that's just a very practical level and then as i know it sounds basic but you just you just got to do it you don't have to start saying like i'm gonna go to the crossfit games maybe you just want to do a push-up like it can be as basic as that but just go do it because i promise you when you start that basic and just start doing little things that are a little bit scary but not like completely paralyzing uh, as far as fear goes once you do a little bit and realize that it's not as bad as you think you're much more willing to um could, to take that next step. I, I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I've I've referenced this before, but um I heard the the speaker say, you know, the the more that you do, it's not that you become less afraid. It's become it's that you become more brave. And um I think that just resonated with me so much because I still experience fear. I was at a competition in Miami this past weekend and I was still nervous, but I'd been at the games before in another competition. I said, I know that I'm afraid right now, but I've also been on the other side of it and know that it's going to be okay. So I'm going to do this again because I know it's possible and it's not as bad as I think it is.
1: Amy, this has been an absolute honor. Thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the mics with us. I'm sure we're going to do some incredible things together in the future for the folks out there that want to stay up to date with you and all the incredible things that you are doing in your life. What are the best ways of people to do that?
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. Social media is um, the main outlet right now um, on Instagram. I'm just all written out one leg like to stand on. Uh, I also have a blog um, that I have one like to stand on. .com. All of that good stuff. So if you if you go to Instagram, you'll kind of see that central hub and and other ways to locate me from there.
2: Excellent. And we'll be sure to drop your social media, your Instagram, and also your your blog on the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with you and all of the great things that you're doing. Really appreciate the time, Amy. And with that, we'll see everyone next time.
0: So thank you.